Hello and welcome to Elevating Founders for Season 3. We are back, the podcast for early stage founders to hear the stories behind the change makers and disruptors in the tech sector who are responsible for tackling the world's biggest challenges. Brought to you by London Tech Week. I'm joined by Sarah Kiefer, the Chief Marketing Officer at Pitch. Stunning presentations made together. Pitch combines the best parts of productivity, design, and presentation software to help fast-moving teams create beautifully designed decks in minutes. Previously, Sarah worked at Spotify, where she led the team responsible for marketing Spotify's advertising business globally. With a career focused on the intersection of storytelling, media, technology, and advertising, Sarah previously held leadership roles at Ula, Discovery, and Viacom. Sarah received her MBA from Stanford Graduate School of Business and a BA in Modern Languages from Oxford University. Now, please, before we get on, please do subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, because season three is going to be a big one. I have to say, from behind the scenes, I have to tell you guys, it's going to be a big, big episode and podcast coming through to this season. So please do subscribe because it will be an incredible season and you don't want to miss any of the episodes. So without further ado, let's jump straight in. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Hey, Sina, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Thank you so much for coming on this episode of Elevating Founders. It's a pleasure to have you on. And I can't wait to talk to you about pitching and pitching best practices and practical tips because so many of the people that listen to this podcast, as well as myself, to be fair, like we're always trying to refine that pitch because, you know, whether it's, you know, trying to raise investment at any stage of funding, it's so important. And even beyond that, trying to communicate your ideas in a really good way, um, showing it visually is really important. So yeah, really looking forward to to talking to you about that. And I guess it must be a problem that you must have previously faced before joining Pitch. Yeah, definitely. So my background's in B2B marketing. And rather than kind of pitching for fundraising, my experience was more in building sales decks and working together with sales teams to create materials they could use to pitch products and services to potential clients and and existing clients. Um, And it's very similar challenges, like thinking about how do you position your offering? How do you explain it succinctly? How do you do that in a compelling way? How do you make sure that salespeople have got all of the different materials they need, depending on how the way the conversation kind of evolves and for different stages in the relationship with with that prospect or client? and yeah, I've also worked with, you know, lots of startups. And so, yeah, that intersection of thinking about pitching was was something that really attracted me to pitch and also just honestly frustration with the existing tools that are out there. Um, everything seemed to have like big downsides and none of the other presentation tools that I was familiar with using had really seemed to kind of adapt to our new expectations of how we use tools to collaborate. Um, particularly remotely Um, and sort of I guess one of my number one tips for entrepreneurs who are thinking about putting their pitch together is it's a collaborative exercise together with your team Um, so you should be thinking it's it's almost like directing a movie it's like how can you bring in different people who are going to provide different elements of the story from your team and then how can you collaborate with sponsors and mentors and maybe existing investors to get feedback and constantly refine that pitch. Um, And to do that, you need a tool that's kind of like built for collaboration. And that's what really impressed me about pitch when I first took a look at the tool. Would you say that's the element of pitch that really stands out and I guess is better than a lot of other things? Because this, a lot of the other tools that exist out there aren't really built for building pitch decks. Like you've got PowerPoint, you've got Canva, and then you have a few other small ones, but they're not really built for building pitches. So 
like where does which element of pitch does the like which problem does it really solve when it comes to founders and salespeople? Yeah. So I think it's the collaborative piece for sure. Um, you know, we say that pitch is presentation software for the Slack generation. So in the same way as people don't use email anymore, people are moving away from from PowerPoint to better tools, and, and that's what pitch offers. So it's easy to assign people. Um, slides, it's easy to comment on slides, it's easy to have a workspace that everyone has visibility on who's working on what. Um, but I think the other things is, is, is speed and beauty. So sometimes it feels like you do all of this work to come up with these great ideas and this great storyline of what you want to convey. And then you spend like a week moving boxes around on a slide. And that's just frustrating. And it's not very efficient. It's not a good use of your time when you're a founder, you've got a million other things going on. Um, so it allows you to be a lot more efficient and Pitch is a very intuitive tool to use. So you don't you don't need to spend a long time learning how to use it. It just kind of like works how you expect it to work. And then it's easier to make things beautiful. So we have a ton of templates, for example, so that um, founders don't have to, you know, spend a lot of time like starting from scratch from a blank slide. We've already got pitch deck templates, so many different ones in the template gallery, as well as we also have a presentation gallery where you can go and check out a lot of other founders pitch decks for inspiration so if you're wondering like oh how long should my pitch deck be or like what information should i include you can go and look at like so many different examples of different stages from different industries and kind of see how other people have done it and think like oh what did i like about that what did I, what would i do differently it's too long it's too short so you're kind of not starting from scratch and i think that yeah that allows you to then focus on the important things that are unique to you like how you're going to represent your ideas visually and um, yeah, what your story is. You mentioned, you mentioned information. And I think given a pitch deck, obviously it needs to be concise and everything. And as a founder, it, it might be, for me anyway, it has been quite difficult to kind of refine everything into a pitch deck because there's just so much, you know, there's so much that you want to communicate because, you know, it's really exciting what you're building and everything. You want to communicate everything about the team, whatever, and the market. So for the founders listening, and I'm sure there's many of them listening now, what questions should a founder answer in a pitch? So a pitch is about laying out a journey that you're going to go on to the next sort of milestone in the journey of your company, right? So you need to put yourself in the investor's shoes and think like, what information are they going to need? So they're going to need like, what are you trying to do and why? Like, what's the kind of long-term vision? What's the big problem in the world that you're addressing? They need to understand that very quickly and very succinctly in a way that like your grandmother would probably understand it. And then they're going to need to get comfortable about what's your plan from getting to A to B. Like, if that's the eventual goal, like what you're going to do in the next two, three years, why, what do you need the money for? Then they need to, they need to get to know you and your team. Um, so, so, you know, and understand why you are the right people to kind of go on this journey and address this major challenge. Um, yeah, so I think those are kind of the big pieces. And then, yeah, and then it's about making that story real and kind of, and, 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 and like, as you said, it's really hard to make it shorter. Like your, your bias is always going to be like, oh, another great thing I want to talk about, like add another slide. And the challenge will be boiling it down. So my advice would be before you even start writing slides, because before you know it, you're going to end up with 25 slides. Before you even do that, sit down and, and whiteboard out or get in a notion document or get on a Miro board, however you, you want to plan it out and think about the story from the higher level. And then, and then that, that's the point at which you can start saying, okay, um, 
CFO, I want or you go work on like exactly what our metrics are going to be over the next three years or, you know, co- technical co-founder, you go and outline like why our tech team is uniquely positioned to deliver this in a particular way. Well, you start like apportioning out different parts of the story so you're doing it together. And then you then you start to kind of like see the themes and how the story is going to hang together. Only at that point would I probably like, I would also then test that story with, with some people before you move it over into slides um that's really interesting that's really interesting i thought yeah i I kind of structured out my slides like before but i think that story element is very very important so yeah that's that's wonderful advice do you think that story element that you build out in a pitch that is very you know fundamental to the quality do you think that changes given the current sort of economic climate i know a lot of startups may like they might be nervous about raising investment right now so how does that how does that story change given the current situation and yeah how how what startup what advice do you have for startups raising money now fundamentally i don't think it changes hugely although i think you need to think about two elements number one how can you demonstrate flexibility and resilience to those investors so show that you have thought through because there's a lot of uncertainty right now, right? So show that you've thought through like different paths, that you're not super rigid of like, we're going to do this and this is kind of like this way or no other way. Like show you've thought through like, oh, if this happens, we would do this. If this happens, we would do this. Um, To kind of show that you're able to course correct as things as time goes on. Um, And then the other thing I would think about is like timeframe. Pretty much all of the startups we work with, everyone's just thinking about how do you extend your runway? So for anybody who's already raised money, that's what I would be thinking about is like, how can you get really disciplined and really rigorous um, and give yourself the luxury of time? Um, and for people for people who are, who are going out to raise now, yeah, I, would, I, I actually think it's maybe not a bad time to raise money. There's still quite a lot of money sloshing around in VC. Um, and I think it's a, yeah, it's time where you've got like, if you've got confidence in your idea and you've got a clear story to tell, I actually think that you'll be... Uh, pretty well positioned to be raising money right now cool and i guess like for founders right now i guess raising money you know they build that pitch with a good storyline and everything how can founders follow up after the pitch and what what questions should a founder ask an investor you know after a pitch as well i think that's a really important question cena because there's a tendency to think of a pitch or any kind of presentation actually as like the person presenting stands up delivers their spiel yeah and then it's done one way type thing (laughs) And that's, I don't think it's ever really been a satisfactory way of doing it, but certainly now that's not the expectation. So what we're finding is that lots and lots of founders are sending their pitch decks as a pre-read. And actually the meeting itself is a conversation, not a pitch. They've already maybe read through your slides and that's where, so pitch has a feature called recordings where you can actually record yourself presenting your slides. And that's a great, it's a great way of practicing your pitch, by the way, because you can record yourself doing it and then watch yourself back, which is ultimately the way to get like really good practice and also get confident about delivering your pitch. But once you've nailed it, you can then send that out to investors. They can watch your pitch asynchronously and then you use the in-person meeting or the Zoom call as more of a conversation because you're also sort of interviewing the investor, right? You're not, you shouldn't just be after the check. You should be after someone who you feel confident you can build a long-term collaborative relationship with. And that, you know, they say how like in every good job interview, you should also bring questions for the interviewer in the same way. I think 
every founder who's who's having a conversation with somebody you know that they're raising funding from should also have questions that they're asking and have an idea of what they want to get out of the relation as well as the funding what else they want to get out of the relationship um yeah i think it, it should be more of a conversation i think yeah i completely agree because i've heard absolutely horror stories from people taking a lot of money from the wrong people and over the lo- over the short term they're like oh wow this is amazing and then over the long term it really like hurts them and it can really you know damage their business also not just them as a founder it could damage their business so i completely agree with you it should be a definite two-way conversation i just think yeah given maybe the current climate it's very tempting to just grab money as soon as you see it but you're saying you know be patient the market's not as bad as you might think and yeah you can use these tools to you know do that two-way interviewing which which ultimately is what how it should be. Yeah, and it's a confidence piece, right? I think probably it's just psych- psychologically like the the investor will also see if you if you walk in with that attitude of like we're doing a business deal as partners, that's going to give you like a whole different way of how you're presenting yourself versus walking in there with that mindset of like oh please give me money, please please, you know. Um I think that will that will just come across um, for sure. So you talked about so the storyline as well as the, the you know the slides that you can put on on your pitch. There's such a big element of you know pitching that I think many people kind of miss, and that's that is the confidence element that you just talked about. It's the body language, it's the eye contact, it's all these other things that people don't really consider, and that that goes with any sort of line of communication. I think verbal communication makes up a very small part of actually like how someone perceives what you're what you're trying to communicate to them. Uh, and that obviously goes back to like prehistoric caveman times, right? It's very primal. So what advice do you have for people when it comes, uh, founders, when they're coming to raising money, um, you know, focusing on those different elements? Practice, 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 practice. Um, so yeah, practice it within your team, practice it with your friends and family, practice it, ask people for help, ask if you can practice on them. <laughs> um you know, part part of com- I think it's so interesting with confidence. Like sometimes it's just about asking for help. People don't want to ask for the help, but actually, like if you ask people to help you, they will want to give you feedback. They will want to help you. Um, and it is, I think, it is confronting, right? Because I don't know about you, but I help. I hate listening to myself back. <laughs> but I also know that that's how you get better at something. Yeah, I mean, I listen to my own voice all the time. And right? it's, it doesn't, believe me, for anyone listening, I I record podcasts all the time and I have to listen to my own voice. It does not get any better. No, <laughs> but it's how you get, it's how you get better. And it's kind of like leaning into that discomfort is the thing that then, then when you're on stage at a pitch competition or whatever, and you've got 250 people looking at you, that's what it's going to give you the confidence is like, no, I've, I've been through that discomfort. I know exactly what I look like and what I sound like when I'm doing this this bit. Um, and I've like made my peace with it. That's going to make you. And then that confidence is just kind of, kind of, um, yeah, like emanate out of you. Um, you know, I think if, if you are someone who kind of suffers from like chronic, you know, lack of self-esteem or like really public speaking is like really, really something difficult for you. I think as a founder, it's also something you should probably like, face head on and get some coaching around and get some advice around and it's another thing you could ask people for support with um a lot of founders now have coaches i have a great friend of mine dave bailey has a um like a founders coach like a a coaching business for founders it's called founder coach and he works with a lot of the top um 
investors because a lot of investors now are realizing that like people do need support to work through all of these things to like feel feel um, you know feel that confidence so you know if it's something that is a real hang-up for you I would consider getting some coaching around it um, but otherwise if it's just something that you haven't practiced a lot just practice 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 that's what will give you the confidence we talked about the pitch itself the storyline the like talk about quite a few different things to be honest like it's been a good episode so far the the confidence element the body language everything what other sort of elements of that delivery that pitch should founders also look out for that maybe right now they don't really focus on it's kind of like a, a missing thing being ready to adapt in as you're giving the pitch by looking at reactions from the audience is probably something that lots of people are uncomfortable with like they've practiced the pitch over and over again they've like got it down pat and they're feeling good about it and then you know you can just you tell you can tell that the person you're pitching to is like switched off on a particular topic and then you've got to have the confidence to like move on right and I think that's where practicing it in front of lots of different audiences is really important so I think about I love stand-up comedy and I have so much respect for stand-up comedians. There's a lot of parallels between the two. There's a lot of parallels. There's massive, yeah. And that's how stand-up comedians, when they're like developing a big show, they will do a lot of like practice shows. So even like the big, even like Catherine Ryan will be like going and doing like a small comedy club or even like a pub or something at the beginning when she's got new material because she's kind of learning like what lands on what, and she'll sort of tweak little different bits. Um, and I think it's the same with your pitch is learning how to think on your feet and like be comfortable with skipping ahead three slides and then skipping back and then um, and kind of and, and being totally cool if there's like four slides you don't even cover. And that's fine. You'll send it as a like follow up um, and you'll continue the conversation from there. Um, so, yeah, I think and, and I think the other piece is this collaboration piece. I think people. Lots of founders. They, they think, oh, you know, I've got to be this genius in the corner, like coming up with this amazing story, like on my own. It's all, it all kind of it falls on me. And it's all my vision. Like, no, like involve other people. Um, remember that you are that director. You don't have to be the cameraman and the actor and the scriptwriter and everything. Like think about what you're good at and then bring in people that complement areas that maybe aren't you don't enjoy so much or aren't your strengths i had this bit in my pitch a while ago like a couple months ago which really landed when i was pitching to say one person and this is an element that again i learned from doing it practice 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 multiple times to just one person is that i incorporated their name within the pitch itself so it's like when so say if i would do an example of the customer journey of how our product would work i'd say well, yeah, I'd say, yeah, so Sarah would tap her card on this and then like this would happen. And for some reason, them hearing their name in the pitch itself, they really liked that. And then I also included sometimes if they were like a very high, high ticket investor, for instance, I'd also include like their face or their name or both in the screenshots of the actual pitch itself. And that, that micro personalization, they really love. So that's maybe an element that I've learned that's really landed that a lot of people tip. may not may not sort of I, I may miss yeah that's a great tip that works really well with sales presentations as well by the way like just doing like a very basic mock-up of like their brand for example in your product or whatever it might be like really helps to make it real um i think you can also think about that in terms of the story so if you're doing your research on the investor and you learn like oh the investor is super into like only invest in like these types of businesses or like really cares about this time horizon or is particularly interested in like, yeah, these type, this type of business problem, whatever it is, you can then 
do a version for them that particularly emphasizes that and and that really shows that you've thought about it and that you want to that you that you've kind of done your due diligence on them as well yeah yeah i completely agree these like small elements really take it a long way i think a lot of founders think they really focus on 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 quantity when it comes to investment because they want to reach out to as many people as possible but kind of focusing on a smaller at least from what i've experienced focusing on a very a smaller amount but then being more personalized to them the conversion rates is better from what from what i've seen and there's little yeah there's like little things you can do so in pitch for example you can create a custom link so you can actually like create a link that has the name of the investor in it and then you can do analytics so then you know say you've sent out your pitch deck to like four different investors you know you also know which ones have opened it so you can like find and which ones have like you know read read the whole thing and like how recently you can even send them a, a quick follow-up and be like oh hey you know how about we have a meeting to follow up that sort of thing there's one last question I wanted to ask because I've seen this a lot is that many sort of top level athletes have have moved into entrepreneurship and it's a really interesting thing because I guess people might not think that's that's the done thing people might not think it's, it's possible to do that so what like transferable skills can athletes use when moving from say like the field or any sort of sport they're doing into into pitching or like yeah. business as a whole yeah so I was a really really keen university athlete I was really serious rower and I really think that rowing probably taught me more that's useful for my business career than um, certainly than my undergrad possibly even than my MBA Um, a lot is about um, discipline and just like how you form the right habits and how you set a goal and then make a plan of how you're going to get from here to there right also teamwork um, goes without saying like athletes are really good like they learn they understand how to work with other people um you know even if you're doing an individual sport you're also thinking about the role that your wider team plays right um and and just that yeah that sense of like who's got strengths in certain areas like and also measuring performance like which is really important for business right like understanding what you need to you know what you need to move where your strength yeah where your strengths and weaknesses are you know oh i'm I'm yeah really fast in the, in this scenario, but like I need to work on my strength or whatever. Like and having that kind of honest conversation, um, how you work with coaches as well, how you kind of like get the best out of that coaching relationship. I think there's just so many parallels between, um, yeah, between sport and and um, uh, and business. Yeah, resilience, learning how to lose, also really important. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. Well, you talk about coaching there, and then you talk about like pitch coaching before for a lot of founders listening i think there's an element maybe that's not really utilized and maybe there's a few barriers to it maybe maybe it's the expense maybe it's just like the time element of it what difference have you seen when it comes to coaching and any sort of like sponsorship or mentorship or whatever to founders that are doing pitching huge so (laughs) it's a truism but that's because it's probably true you heard the adage like if you ask for advice, you'll get money. And if you ask for money, you'll get advice. <laughs> Heard that a lot of times, yeah. yeah I think it's true. It is, it is in many ways true. But I think just asking for something is really powerful. Like there's a lot of talk about, oh, mental, you know, particularly when you're talking about underrepresented founders, so like female founders, oh, you know, they need more mentorship, they need more sponsorship, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, that's true. But it has to be targeted. Like what what is the problem? 
like what's the thing they need help like help with or what's the thing that they're going to get support from with like all of the best mentorship relationships that I've had both being mentored and providing mentorship somebody's come to me with like a really specific ask like can you help me with this thing um you know that I've got experience in or whatever it might be or I've gone to them and said like I've got this specific challenge that I'm trying to address right now can you help me with that that's much more valuable than a vague oh can you be my month my mentor can you be my advisor can we have a meeting every whatever and then you just get together for an hour and it's kind of like okay what we what are we doing sort of thing um and I have yeah I have noticed that like some entrepreneurs are really good at that like some some of the founders that I've met you know you'll meet them at a networking event or whatever and they'll email you two weeks later with like a really specific ask like hey can you review can you review our latest sales deck and like give us feedback drop comments and then I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, it's because they asked, you know? Um, yeah, so I'd say don't be afraid to ask. You'd be amazed how much people want to help you. And don't be afraid to ask them, but make that ask super specific. Um, and then they're more likely to do it. Very, very good piece of advice. Very lastly, before we jump into the quick fire questions, I have to ask you, what are your top five tips for pitching? I know you've gone into, like, don't worry about repeating yourself. Because uh, I know you've gone into a lot of them before. So what are your top five tips? Okay, number one, simple is best. You don't have to jump into all of the nitty gritty. So like, keep it short, keep it tight. Number two, plan, craft your story before you commit it to slides. Like really nail, distill down that story before you start designing slides. Otherwise you're gonna end up with beautifully designed slides you're not gonna want to throw away or they're not gonna hang together coherently. Three, collaborate, do not, create a pitch deck in a vacuum or on your own, um, you know, share it with lots of people, get feedback, bring in your team. Uh, four would be, yeah, get as much feedback as possible from your network, test it, see what's landing, do that kind of stand up uh, comedian approach. Um, and yeah, number five would be be flexible. So it's a conversation, be ready to take, take the pitch in the direction that the conversation is flowing rather than like trying to force a certain uh, kind of flow to the pitch there you go that is wonderful advice so now the quick fire question before we wrap up the podcast if you could go to the pub with any entrepreneur who would you choose that could be from past or present got to be serena williams like i mean she's the greatest of all time what more do you need to say an, I mean, a, an athlete turned entrepreneur, entrepreneur yeah good example woman. um yeah yeah like amazing inspiring parent i would have a lot to talk to her about i think mm. Secondly, what is a startup you are loving at the moment and why? Yeah, I would highlight Cindy Health, S-Y-N-D-I. It's actually a startup. I met the founders at London Tech Week. Um, they were super impressive. It's an app. It's an app for men mental health services. So there's a ton of great mental health app apps out there, but like, how do you choose what's right for you? And it's also a platform business. So it's about not, ju it's about not just users of those apps, but also um, healthcare providers and employers. And kind of, I love a platform business, particularly from a marketing perspective, because from a marketing perspective, it's a bit like 3D chess, which makes it super interesting. So yeah, go check out Cindy Health. Um, ben and his co-founder, they're great. And I, I'm really excited to see what they do next. That's a cool one. And lastly, fill in the blank, to be a founder, you must be. Resilient. <laughs> <laughs> there we go that's a lovely message to end the podcast on sarah thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was such a pleasure having you on elevating founders how can people stay in touch with you and what you're doing and also obviously checking out uh pitch 
yeah so definitely go to pitch.com check out particularly the template gallery the presentation gallery the blog there's also a ton of resources on our blog um so yeah if you're looking for inspiration of how to put together your pitch that should be your first destination you can also follow us on all um on all socials and then send us if you've got a pitch deck you're really proud of uh send it my way yeah um, you can reach me on linkedin fantastic thank you so much again sarah for coming on elevating founders and i'm sure we'll speak very soon thank you so much thanks thank you so much for listening to this episode of elevating founders if you haven't already listened to episode number one with Carl, who kicked off season three in style, then yeah, after this episode, go onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, and you can listen to the episode there. And subscribe, obviously, while you're there. For this season as well, we have some episodes that are YouTube. So the full video episodes are on YouTube, which is amazing. So you can subscribe to us there as well. So that includes the full video episode of Carl, which we recorded in person. And lastly, if you enjoy this episode, we'd be so appreciative if you leave a five-star risk review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen, and we'll catch you in the next one. Thank you so much.